This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek, and I am with Steve the Thrill Cockerman. It's the Thrill. That's your actual name, isn't it? Is that your? <laughs> that's my stage. That's my stage, the stage name. The Thrill. But you promise uh, no. you promise you wouldn't tell anyone about that. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome everyone. Uh, now we're up to what, what did we say? Four point something million people listening. Um, welcome to the Liberator Podcast. Uh, this episode is going to be a classic, um, as they all are, and all. <laughs> Our humility. Um, <laughs> That's such Steve, a great connector way of doing it, Jeremy. You realise when the connector says you are going to love this, I always go, "Well, I think I'll be the judge of that." I'll tell you at the end. So, for all you guardians <laughs> and pioneers out there, don't worry. Jeremy means you are going to love it, but you'll find out why afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so um, let's talk, man. You've been to America. Um, I'm coming over to England. We've got all types of things. We have the time change um, yes. that happened uh, now. Uh, why is it that the time change did it happen? Did you guys do yours first, or did it come later? Or why yeah. aren't aren't they synced up? Well, we're synced up again now, which is good news. But we actually went a week earlier than you, which, as you found out last week, caused all kind of chaos in our schedules because I kept turning up, or people kept turning up an hour earlier than I was expecting. So it seems particularly strange that in our non-agrarian economy that we even have daylight saving now because it's not like we're out bringing in the harvest in England. But um, yeah, no, we were ahead of you as always, Jeremy. And, you know, you finally caught up this weekend in America. Is that something that you, the Brits, like you guys intentionally do? Did you like, was that always the case? Or did you think that this is just something that you're trying to create the standard for everything and trying to remind us that you were world power at one time? I mean, like the empire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you like this, don't you? It's kind of, I, I sometimes wish I'd been born in Victorian times and you, you'd have known your place on a plantation somewhere, <laughs> I suspect. <laughs> if it hadn't been for that episode of Tea in the, uh, tea in the Harbour, we, we'd have still been collecting taxes from you lot. So, you know, it's a bit of particularly bitter, bitter part of our British history that we regret. But, you know, you, you're doing very well and we're very proud of you. No, I do, though. I do have this question because when we use the five gears, I use the analogy of a left-handed stick shift and mm-hmm. having to learn how to drive a stick shift, a manual stick shift on, with the left hand. Mm-hmm. So the right side of the road, because of the United States, you know, driving on the other side, mm-hmm. but we drive on the right side, you drive on the left. But do you think that was like a response? Or were we really trying to do the opposite of you? Like, I wonder why that happened. Any ideas? Well, That's a good question. I'd like to say you copied the French, but there's nothing the Americans hate more than the British if it's the French. So in that sense, I think it probably was just part of your rebellious spirit of trying to get out of your kind of imperial masters and, and be truly independent in the new world. To be fair, virtually every other country in the world, apart from the Commonwealth, drives on the right side. Um, there are very few left that still actually follow established procedure. So I think if you go to places like Australia and Canada, they still, and India, they'll drive on the left because that's where the Brits were. But I yeah, think you're, yeah. you're definitely in the majority anyway. It was so funny when we were living in London, or in England, just thinking through, listening to some of the songs, like God Save the Queen, mm-hmm. and and me going, oh my goodness, that's our song. Which and then I realized, no, we just took your songs and <laughs> um, and and made them a rebellious, uh, you know, a rebellious song back to the empire. You also took about two thirds of our vocabulary and made an American version of Britishness. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Well, okay. Enough banter about we we do like each other though. We right? love each other. Yeah. And uh, I think the Brits 
they they like the the, the Americans for the most part still. They like what, most Americans. What is the they like most Americans. Some of the ones on the television often, and those who maybe uh, tweet a lot, are less popular in this side of the pond at the moment. Um, but they really, really like Donald Trump, right? Joking. <laughs> I wasn't going to use his name for fear that we might get drone striked, but you know. <laughs> but uh, no, someone, do you read that thing in Twitter that somebody on their last day at Twitter, the, <laughs> before they left, they turned off Donald's tweet account for about 11 minutes. It was down. The fact he uh, that's knew hilarious. it was down. I think that was classic. So, <laughs> Was there just like a little switch? Just like on, off, <laughs> Donald Trump? Wasn't it funny? Apparently, oh, that's yeah, so apparently funny. he's on his way to Guantanamo Bay in an orange jumpsuit as we speak. But um, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll be out in a couple of years' time. Uh, okay, everyone. Listening today on the Liberator Podcast, we're going to share some thoughts that are really relative new thoughts um, to you all that you haven't heard this before, but the, the concept of expectation. And we're going to share, you know, the liberator, the idea of the liberator is from the support challenge matrix that the best leaders in the world are those that bring high support. They calibrate high support and they calibrate high challenge. We call them the liberator. They create a culture of entitlement, a, a culture of opportunity. I mean, they um, create a culture of empowerment, Jeremy, not entitlement. That's did I say the, entitlement? You Dang did. It. Um, I thought uh, I'd better check that. Thank Try you. Again. They, Try again. Yeah, they create a, a culture of empowerment. Thank <laughs> you. And opportunity, not entitlement. That would be the uh, the protectors. Protector. So with that, um, the the liberator turns things green. They, they really are like a green thumb. They're really helping people. Uh, get to the higher level because of the support and the challenge that they have. But they also have expectations. In fact, all of us have, have expectations. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to share the idea of how do you communicate expectation? And expectation, Steve, do you have a proper definition of expectation? I'm putting you on the spot, so think on that one. But when you think through an expectation, we all have them. Um, and yet most of us either don't share them or we don't share them correctly or clearly. And so when we have unmet expectations, then we can, we can really have bitterness. We can have frustration. We can have anger. We can have gossip. All of it happens with not meeting expectation. So we're going to go through this idea. Uh, so Steve, when you, when you've thought about the idea of sharing expectations, what were the general summaries, the general thoughts? And then we'll dive into the support challenge matrix. I think my, my ex, when I think of the word expectation, I really think about what do I expect to happen in relation to the particular instruction, challenge, or opportunity that I've just presented you with, i.e. they're concrete, they're specific. I'm expecting a particular outcome from the conversation we've just had. I think another word might be hope, mm -hmm. right? So what do you hope happens? Mm -hmm. So um, if, if I'm in a uh, marriage, what do I hope happens? What if I have um, a business partnership? What do I want to see? What do I hope takes place? Uh, what are the expectations that I have of a, a employee who's working for me? It, um, and so all of those things are to be a liberator, then expectations have to be shared clearly and consistently. If they're not, they're usually found to be in the protected category, maybe abdicator uh, or dominator areas. So uh, for for those who maybe have just joined us, Steve, can you share the support uh, challenge matrix just to dust it off really quickly? And then we're going to go through the expectations of each. So if you imagine um, two axes, basically a, a four quadrant um, matrix where we have on the, the y axis, the up and down, the high support and 
low support, and then on the horizontal, the x-axis, we have high, um, high challenge, and on the left, low uh, challenge. So the real aim is, is the top right quadrant is what we're aiming for. It's where high support and high challenge are calibrated in an appropriate way that creates what Jeremy called, again, that culture of empowerment and opportunity, where people really get to be the best they can be, where people are challenged sometimes beyond where they think they're capable of going, but they're doing it inside a strong, relational and committed support process where we're not we're not leaving people just to get on with things. They know we're for them. They know that our desire is that they're going to fulfill their potential. So that's the that's always the ideal. That's why we call it the Liberator Podcast. That's what we're challenging you and others around the world to be and set as that goal. But none of us are naturally good at support and challenge. We tend to, by nature, have one of those that we're naturally more good at and the other is a learnt behaviour. <clears throat> so for those of us who are naturally really good at challenge, we love to win, we're ruthlessly competitive, we'll often, um, when the pressure kicks in, winning becomes the most important thing and therefore we can start driving people, we can be very challenging and if we're not careful, support tends to be conditional on people performing, delivering, meeting often specific expectations we have. Now if you do that for a period of time where people experience you as incredibly high challenge but relatively low support, we call that the dominator quadrant where basically over time you create a culture of manipulation um, and in many ways fear because people always kind of wonder where do I stand in this place. You know, It's like when people say, well, you know, you realize if you don't deliver, somebody else will. So you're always living with that sense that relationship and support have to be earned through performance and we're only usually one failure away from you know being harangued or shouted at or even let go and then on the other end you have those who are naturally much more relational um, much usually more kind of caring empathetic sensitive to the needs of people very very good at supporting but challenge is is often something they struggle with because they fear that it will you know, people will be disappointed, that it will affect relational harmony. And we call that quadrant, the top left, the protector. And the protector sounds rather nice, and they often think of themselves as liberator light, but the reality is the protector creates a culture of what we call entitlement and, and often mistrust. Because people get used to being looked after, they get used to being told they're great, they get used to being protected almost from some of the things that have gone wrong. And the protector almost always tends to specialise in passive aggression. And we'll talk about this later with entitlement and what they expect. Because fundamentally, the protector is good at hinting at what they think ought to happen. And they tend to be these Jekyll and Hyde characters that are nice, nice, nice. And then eventually they go, whoa, why have you done this again? And the person goes, hang on, you know, you didn't tell me about this. And this is the eighth time I've done this. So that kind of protector often creates a place of uncertainty for people. Then the last quadrant is the bottom left where you have low support and low challenge. We call that the abdicator. It's usually a place where people have just got burnt out, worn out, worn down in the process, maybe one year, five days from retirement. And really they're just saying, you get on with what you're doing. I don't really want to be responsible. You know, do the best you can. I'm not going to bother you. You don't bother me. And they create a culture of low expectations and apathy because there's no real drive, there's no real desire to achieve anything. So that's our kind of four quadrant matrix. The answer is none of us are natural liberators. 
If we're accidental, we will automatically fall, usually into either the dominator or the protector quadrant. And I think that will be particularly appropriate when we come on to this idea of expectation, Jeremy. Hope that helps. Thank you very much. Yeah, very good. Especially those who haven't maybe uh, thought of the support challenge matrix for some time. And when we talk about a liberator, we're really pushing for those who can calibrate high support and high challenge consistently. So expectations then play a key part in all of these. And the reality is, is we all have expectations. We, it's just natural. It's have natural to have expectations about working relationships, ab- about uh, personal relationships, about uh, what you hope other people will do in in uh, getting jobs done and so forth. So let's go through and look at the protector as an example. So the protector, and I know that one very well because that's where I tend to be um, historically, is in the work context, especially in, in team and organization. Um, I can protect people a lot because I just want everyone to, to love uh, Giant in our case. I want them to love the work they do. I want them to be excited about things. I don't want there to be problems. I want it to be easy historically. So therefore, it's really hard when I have these expectations. So in, in my case, I have expectations uh, on certain people, whether they're working for us on the HQ team or expectations of our senior consultants. And when those aren't met, then the question that I have is, did I share my expectations? And if I didn't share my expectations, then that would show you that you're probably a protector because you're you're hinting, and that's your main strategy to share <laughs> expectations, would be to hint. Steve, you know, hey, big, big week next week. Are we all set? Hint, hint. Um, hey, have you, have you talked to John about this such and such? Cause I really want to make sure we're good. Hint, hint. But I've never really shared specifically what my expectations are. Mm-hmm. And when that takes place, what happens then is that it creates this opportunity to undermine people later and or create passive aggressive behavior, gossip, all types of negativity is produced by the protectors simply because they haven't shared expectations very clearly. Mm-hmm. But in instead, if I share expectations to the degree of, hey, Steve, next week is such a big event. Um, there's three things that I really want you to make sure that we hit because these are the three things. If we do these, we win. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we do A, B, and C. Are we? Is that clear? Is that fair? And so having that dialogue um, from a protector, because most of the protectors are uh, tend to be in the feeler world in a lot of cases. And so because of that, um, they, they happen to like, they're afraid to share too much or they want to be nice or they want to be perceived. So they don't want to be perceived as someone who's maybe, you know, calling people to a standard or um, uh, feeling as if they're, um, kind of micromanaging. So they, they go away from that and they go to the other, other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So that's one example in one way, uh, just to, to clearly share expectations. What do you have for that, Steve, to add to that? I think that just how wise that is. I mean, we talk about being intentional, not accidental. And the idea that we all have a choice between our tendency and action. And what you've just described there probably is one of the most significant uh, learning opportunities for protectors. Because what protectors tend to do initially is they assume that they think they've been a lot clearer in sharing their expectations than they have been. So if what they do is they interpret people not doing what they've said as increasingly flagrant disobedience or disrespect my leadership or not listening, what tends to happen is that moment where they challenge somebody, they often do it out of anger and frustration rather than the intentional process of going, ah, 
this is a tendency that may be me as much as it is them. So rather than see it as a kind of, you know, this is now a flagrant challenge to my values and who I am, to take a backward step and say, you know, I probably tend to be better at support than challenge, which means I probably don't always communicate my expectations as clearly as I ought to do. So let's assume that before I become judge, jury and executioner, what might be the issue? And actually say, let's assume, firstly, it may have been me that hasn't clarified the expectation. And, you know, what we often say is, you know, for those of you listening, going, gosh, that's me all the time. We always say to people, this is, go to the person you, you think you need to clarify expectations with. Go having prepared what you're going to say. Actually say, here are all the things that are going really well right now. I really want to celebrate these things with you um, and thank you for it. And here are the things that I think we're going to be working on right now. I may not have clarified these as clearly as I could have. And I want you to help me make sure that you've really heard them. But here are the expectations that I have and the things I'm going to commit to work with you on in the next stage of your growth and development. So all of a sudden, that intentional step back and go, is it me first? Let's give the benefit of the doubt to the other person. Actually own your own tendency in it. Usually in our experience allows other people to go, oh, no, that's really helpful, Jeremy, or really helpful. See, thank you for doing that. If every protector tendency did that, they would create an incredibly healthy culture. That's the work of a liberator. And they don't undermine the thing which usually find the hardest to get back, which is when people aren't sure where they stand with them because they often feel they get kind of addressed for something where they didn't even know it was an expectation the other person had. Any of that sound familiar at all, Jeremy, in your life as a leader? Uh, yeah, too, too familiar. <laughs> so, so then the goal then would be to really get to that sub, um, support and challenge, the challenge piece being the, the most important part for a protector, learning how to challenge, mm-hmm. practicing how to challenge, sharing expectation, uh, watching other people who challenge really well and how they do it. So there's lots of things you can do if you're in the protector ca- uh, quadrant to really move over to the liberator, but it takes a consistent effort. And the problem with protectors is oftentimes they're inconsistent. And that's one of the big issues uh, of the influence of protectors. So as we can move down to the dominator ca- um, category, though, the domina- dominators tend to um, t- totally share their expectations <laughs> the, the, uh, quite often. But oftentimes, are the expectations fair? Hmm. So if it doesn't feel like you're for me and you have these high expectations, it might feel like you're against me uh, or for yourself. So the, the power test doesn't really play out very well. And all of a sudden, if I'm on the other end of a dominator who has these unbelievably unreasonable expectations and has not given me any time, any capital resources, then I might abdicate. I might, um, literally leave. Uh, so the dominators, one of the issues are in sharing expectations. You have to share the support that goes with the expectations and really build a roadmap to help people build a bridge, if you will, to help people know how they can get to these expectations or they'll be seen as unreasonable. Mm. What would you, what would you say, Steve, from, from your side? Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the places we often see this quite a lot is when we draw the matrix people, a lot of people who have that kind of dominate or win tendency often realize they put unbelievable expectations on their children. That basically, this is what I expect you to be as a Cochrane or a Kubitschek, whatever it may be. And actually realizing that they put a level of pressure 
an expectation which no child could ever meet. And so they always live with this fear or the sense of disappointment that I, I've not been able to deliver on the expectations. The expectations were clear. They simply weren't doable for any normal human being in that process. And, and I think the other piece that I, that just comes to mind on expectations is, is, is sometimes the very drivenness that dominators almost do not understand that by keep piling more and more expectation on, it almost feels at times that they're, they're waiting to find where the breaking point is of the people that they're leading. Because if you can carry a little bit more, well, I'm going to give you a little bit more until they actually reach the place where the person kind of buckles underneath this incredible expectation that nobody could meet. And then often the dominator will tend to see that as weakness in them and basically dismiss them as being not up to what they thought they ought to be able to do. And there's bound to be someone else who can come in and replace you while you go off on sick and brokenness for the next six months. Obviously, I've so, never done any of that, Jeremy, in my, <laughs> in my life. As a, you know, I, don't, I don't drive people that hard at all. So expectation <laughs> management is so, so important in the role of a, a liberator, whether and how you share expectations. And are they clear? Are they concise? Are they realistic? Um, are you providing support? Are you sharing enough challenge, right? So but then you get to the abdicator who are doing neither support nor challenge. Mm. And so oftentimes I've found that those uh, types of people are really just cynical. And a lot of them actually have gotten to that place because of missed expectations, things that they've not received from other places or or their boss or what have you. And so then they'll say things like, yeah, well, it's it's not what I thought it was, was it? Yeah, it's exactly. I knew it. I knew it'd be like this. And then they kind of go into their own little hole, and they're like, "Yeah, well, why should I work hard? Because so and so is not doing it." Or and they make excuses, and they become the victim. Mm-hmm. And so, abdicators, whether it's by retirement le- leaving, or if if it's by um, just being burned out and worn out, or frustrated and mad. They've become really a conduit of cynicism, and the cynicism is around expectations. So they don't give expectations because, well, why should we? Why should we work as hard? They're not doing it. Oh yeah, I tried that last time, and then they'll say things like, you know, I think I'm just going to stop expecting things from people. I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to. I think I'm going to lower my expectations, mm-hmm. and that's almost a, a victim language to get people to, um, you know, basically say it's okay just to to be where you're at. So what would you add to the abdicator, Steve? I, I don't, honestly don't think I can, Jeremy. It's very rare for me to say, but I thought um, you described that perfectly in that that's exactly what I witness sometimes, um, and it's a great definition. So we all have expectations, and if you add this uh, expectations to the circle of influences, so the five circles of influence are self, family, team, organization, and then you've got community. So think about the the expectations that we have. So let me just throw out a, a given day, right? I have personal expectations. Um, am I overweight, underweight? Am I, usually most people aren't underweight, but if I overweight, do I have expectations that I'm not meeting uh, there? Uh, maybe I'm not performing at the level I want to. Maybe I am uh, have some issue in my life that whatever that is, that's uh, missed expectations that can create internal domination mm-hmm. and bitterness. Um, I have a family um, situation where my family might be missing uh, expectations or I might be out of the expectations of a spouse and not know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have team expectations as we've talked about in organization. 
but it could be even community. I might have expectations of how my neighbor uh, keeps their lawn and <laughs> they're not keeping it up like I want. And I'm them hinting and hinting and they're still not doing it. And then I create bitterness and start gossiping about that person and create passive aggressive behavior. And before long, there's a big wall in between my neighbors simply because I have expectations that aren't being met. So some of us have, you know, if, if we're not clear with what our expectations are, they can really be unfair. And uh, unfair expectations and or unmet expectations will always lead to bitterness. And so and bitterness be- creates this root of all types of drama and cancer in relationships. And that's really what we're trying to call out here. And we're trying to call people up to be liberators. To go, no, a liberator doesn't act that way. A liberator is secure. They're confident. They're humble. They, uh, again, they look for what other people need, support or challenge. Uh, they, they help people get to the next level. So let's talk about some things that we can do, some actions that we can do. Um, you, you want me to go or you want to go first, Steve? You want to share go, some you, actions? You go first. Okay. All right. So here's one list. Here's one thing that you can do. Um, make a list of five people in your life and you can, you can just see and maybe do a discovery to see what expectations you actually have. So in my case, it might be my, my spouse. Uh, it, it would be Steve Cochran, a business partner. Um, I might put my parents in there. Um, and I might put one of my children and maybe a client. Okay. So I might have five or six. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a kind of a test case, and I'm going to ask the question, what did they expect of me? And what do I expect of them? And are, are my expectations, expectations being met? Are my expectations fair? Are their expectations fair? And are they being met? And what you can see is very clearly, you can see, you know, you know, it might be helpful if I helped around the house a little bit more. I'm not meeting my expectations of my wife. Are they fair expectations to do the dishes every once in a while? Yes. To do um, help with the lawn and yeah, those are fair. Right. So if I'm not meeting those expectations, then I might be undermining my influence with my wife. Um, and on the other hand, um, I might have expectations of her that may be uh, unfair or I might realize I haven't shared those. So once you've done that, then ask the question, have I shared these or not? And are they clear? And if I if someone else were to ask what the expectations were, could they list them clearly? That could be an action in this podcast that might be really, really helpful for some of you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that one of the things that I try and we said at the beginning is you have to assume that you're not as good a communicator as you actually think you are. In my experience, most of the times when expectations have not been met in my world, and my initial default, obviously being a pioneer with a grenade launcher, is to assume it's everyone else's fault but my own. And I'm very good at making people feel that pain and then I realized, actually, you know, I don't think that was fair. So I think the, 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 the question of actually asking, do the people know what your expectations of them are? The only way I know you can do that is actually by asking them. And actually asking, what, what expectations do you think that I have of you right now? Because that allows me to actually understand whether what I think I've communicated as expectation is actually what it is they've received. So that exercise is fantastic to go to my spouse, to my kids. You know, I, I had dinner, Helen and I had date night, you know, once a week. And I, we may use different vocabulary sometimes, but I actually asked her this week, you know, support challenge matrix, how am I doing right now? And what kind of expectations do you have of me and what I need? And it was nice. She said, you know, she said, well, you're much more of a liberator than you used to be. 
There is the occasional moment when you slip into the dominator when certain things are triggered, but it's much less than it used to be. And I actually talked about, you know, the kids as well. What are you, what are you expecting of me as a dad? So therefore, I love the analogy. We've tried it out this week. It's a really easy question to ask because it doesn't feel threatening to people. So what are you expecting of me right now? And if you have expectations of the people in your team, in your organization, just to go and clarify them with them and say, what do you think I'm expecting of you right now? So that kind of two-way communication gets around what, in my case anyway, the place I've got most in trouble with this, where I've got angry at people for not delivering expectation, and it turned out that I hadn't actually communicated those expectations in a way they'd actually heard. So that's my well, little and, tip. And, and the last part then is uh, what we call the pit of despair we've talked about. But have, have you given enough vision? Have you shared the vision of how they win? Have you given them enough time? Um, have you really, really clear, uh, given them encouragement mm-hmm. to play that role? And in a lot of cases, it, it just, it doesn't happen. So, um, these are, are every, every time we talk, we're, we're sharing hopefully very practical applied leadership learning. But if you can get to the place to, that you can understand expectations clearly that you have for people, and then understanding what expectations they might have, you might simply have solved some of the relational issues in your life. You might solve some of the team drama that occurs uh, by simply managing expectations. And if you're a protector, I, we would just say voraciously practice how to challenge by sharing expectation. If you're a dominator, make sure that you've given them the support uh, to be able to handle um, the expectations that you have. And by doing that, you'll move into that liberator quadrant. Mm. So, and for abdicators, we would just say simply, uh, it's probably time to really uh, get some counseling just to talk <laughs> with people to really share some, cause part of it, it's woundedness that you're the reason that you're abdicating. Can I, so one last, yeah. one last kind of word to the dominators. Cause I think I speak that one probably more naturally than you do is. Oh yeah. Oh, you do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? I didn't say that. No, no, we, we can edit that. Don't worry. They think I'm great. Um, what we need to, what we need to, what I'd say is this is communicating expectations clearly isn't the issue. The real issue is, are your expectations fair? So one of the questions to actually ask people is going, is what I'm expecting of you doable? Because that's the thing where, where people are frightened of disappointing dominators. You'll often find that they will take on more and more and more and they never say no because they think you're going to get really upset with them if they do. And then they kind of burn out or they get exhausted or they crash. And that's one of those ones where as dominator tendency people, those who find challenge easier, actually asking them sometimes, hang on, is this doable? Is that deadline realistic? Is that responsibility something that is going to be okay for you to carry? And believing that most people will tend to be honest with you if you actually ask from the position of a liberator. Well, um, Steve, thank you for your feedback as always. Uh, to all of the listening, um, we hope this is helpful. We, we have so much that we want to give and share and serve um, leaders around the world. And so, in fact, this is part of our next book um, that will come out in January 2019. Uh, we're already starting to write the next one. So we're excited about that. Uh, but our goal here was that each and every one of you would learn how to calibrate uh, high support and high challenge to fight for the highest possible good of those you lead to be a liberator. And so um, we have a company giant. That's uh, what we do. We serve teams and we multiply high performing teams. And we basically 
bring these practical ideas into your organization. So if you're interested, you can go to giantworldwide.com for more information there. Any last words from, from good old England, Steve? No. It's okay, just... can, you, can you say goodbye in British? We want to hear it. Goodbye in British. Oh, that's great. Good job. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. We've, <laughs> right, you we've been working at this English for a little longer than you have, by the way, just uh, so you know. I love it. One last barb. <laughs> Good. All right. Hey, see you all next time. Cheers. Right, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of The Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.